0: Slate Plus members get early access to our Downton Abbey spoiler specials this season immediately following the broadcast on PBS. If you're not a Slate Plus member, try out this early access for the first three Downton spoilers. If you like it, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash spoiler plus.
1: Hello and welcome. This is a Slate Plus spoiler special on season five of Downton Abbey. I'm June Thomas, and I'm here with the amazing Seth Stevenson. Hello, Seth Stevenson.
0: Hi, June, but please call me Shrimpy.
1: (laughs) Please call me Hoppy. (laughs) Will do. (laughs) Shrimpy. We're back for another season of Downton. And I think that the thing that is most annoying and most fantastic about Downton Abbey is that the same thing happens over and over and over again. And the first few seasons you complain about it and then after a while you just accept that that's what you like about it. Am I speaking for you or is that just my own no, I agree. Response. It was
0: like putting on a pair of old shoes. You know, right. I was very comfortable. I was glad to be with these characters again. You know, I remember thinking, I think it was you know somewhere in season three that it just went off the rails. And I was like, why am I watching this show? They're killing all the actors and characters I actually like. It's the same thing happens over and over again. They've completely run out of creative steam. But as I watched this first episode of season five, I felt like, hey, this is quite pleasant. Right. You know, I'm just going to dip back into this river again, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But June, yes. Times are changing. Things have changed. There is a Labour prime minister.
1: I think it's like he just wants to get rid of all the people like us. Like us, like you and me, Hoppy. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> he is the illegitimate son of a farm labourer and a housemaid. How can we have a man like that running Britain, June?
1: Good old Ramsey. He still had the name Ramsey,
0: which is a little bit strange. But it didn't last very long. I know all of this from Wikipedia. This <laughs> didn't last very long.
1: You might think that it might be a nice sort of business arrangement, because Downton Abbey sends so much traffic to Wikipedia after every episode. (laughs) No, this
0: is how I know about 20th century British history, (laughs) entirely is me Wikipediaing things after the Downton episode ends. Well, enough about real-world events. Let's talk about these fictional characters. Indeed. What developments were you most excited about heading into season five, June?
1: Oh, heading into season five, like before it all started, I just... Can somebody please finally make Lady Edith happy. It makes me crazy the way they torture that woman. And she looks like the back end of a buzz. She is a lovely woman who, okay, has had some history with her sisters and her surviving sister. But for goodness sake, it's kind of ridiculous the way that she's tortured. So she's like the Mosley of upstairs.
0: Well, they pick these certain characters, Bates, Mosley and Edith. They pick them to just heap Yes. Degradation, humiliation, you know, horrible tragedy. I guess mostly tragedies are lesser in their sort of uh, import. But they pick these characters that they're just like, we're going to shovel yes. all these horrible things onto them. But Edith does sort of bring it on herself, I have to say. Like, she's brought some of this upon herself. Don't look at me like that, Hoppy. She's brought <laughs> some of this upon herself. Like, think about this episode. Okay, this is a tragic situation with her poor daughter that, that's living with this farm family. But she set fire to Downton Abbey. But
1: did she? I mean, I don't know that she did it on purpose. It seems to me that she, in a fit of sadness and an unhappiness and crying herself to sleep, an ember fell out of the fire onto the rug i mean it's not like she set it she was so careless and i feel like Wait, first living... of all since when do the people upstairs do anything for themselves she has never touched a fire in her lifetime but they had to be so hyper aware of the
0: risk of the house burning down there's fires everywhere at all times people at that time must have been so aware of it you don't just like carelessly throw a huge wad of flammable material <laughs> towards
1: i the blame the housemaid it's her job Poor Edith. Even you're blaming her. Shrimpy, how could you?
0: I am blaming Edith. And not only that, okay, even if we cut her some slack over the cause of this conflagration, at the very end when she comes out, she's so blasé about it. She doesn't even
1: care that she almost just burned her like familial <laughs> estate she down. she didn't almost do it. She was almost burned to death. She was almost smoked to death.
0: Saved by a sermon, no less.
1: She could have been a kipper.
0: She walks out with the flames behind her, <laughs> the explosions behind her. She walks out. And what does she say to the volunteer fireman who just risked his life to save her familial estate? She says she's worried about her kid, you know, which, of course, that's on her mind. But she's just like so blessed. She didn't even ask about it. She didn't even care. She expresses no regret for having done this.
1: She didn't do anything. I can't express this enough, Seth.
0: I'm anti-Edith.
1: You're one of those married people, aren't you? I love Mary. See?
0: I really, truly love Sybil, though. Sybil was my first and true love. Sybil's gone. Sybil will never be gone from my heart. (laughs) But I do, like, the show has worked its magic. It's made me hate Edith, and now I kind of hate Edith. I kind of want to keep Edith's child away from Edith. I feel like Edith's child will be better off. That seemed like a lovely woman on the farm. And and, And she's got siblings. And there's, like, there's siblings around, and the dad is a volunteer fireman. He seems like a stand-up guy. I feel like, just keep, keep Edith away. Edith is nothing but woe for everything she touches.
1: Mr. Drew is a very handsome man.
0: Quiet, man of few words. Yes. But a stand-up guy, and at the the end it seems he may have solved the problems. So Edith is just going to take a great interest in Marigold. What a beautiful name, Marigold. It is
1: a lovely name. Um, (laughs) Now I was surprised. Well, at first I was not surprised by Thomas plotting, as always. My dear darling Thomas, who he's damaged by you know the social mores of the time. His love do not speak its name, and so he turns all his goodness toward plotting and blackmailing. And then he shows his true self when he bravely, when he's spying on all the family and all of the servants, he bravely goes in and saves Lady Edith, despite his burnt and deformed arm from when he shot his own finger off in the war. (laughs) In
0: addition to um, living outside the norms of the time, he has PTSD from the war and injury. And it's ridiculous how scheming he is. I mean, what is he even going to gain? He just brings in Baxter just to sort of like get
1: intel on on everyone. Because he hates Bates so much that his plotting game is so inaccessible. It's ours. kind of an
0: endless game. It's an infinite <laughs> game because you feel like even if he, okay, he becomes head vouch. He takes over for Mr. Carson. He's now running the downstairs, although it's now 1958 and there's, in fact, there's no downstairs <laughs> right. anymore. Where is he going to go? What's going to happen? He's just, he's just scheming to scheme. Yeah. He's all scheme and no vector. It's so all that's <laughs> left
1: to him. What did you think of Miss Bunting, the Boudicca of the North Riding? You
0: know, again, it's very odd, June. I feel like I am becoming a bit of an imperialist or a bit of an upstairs person because I thought she was a delightful, lovely woman, Mm -hmm. delightful, independent spirit, totally correct and quick with a retort Mm -hmm. to the knobs all around her. And yet I feel I agree with the Dowager Countess that principles like prayers are very noble, but rather awkward at a party. And I feel she should have known that that was neither the time nor the place to be sticking it to Lord Crawley. I agree. I 100% agree with her opinions. Mm-hmm. I think she has every right to have them, and I think they're solidly grounded. But that was not the time to challenge the head of the household and cause an awkward scene for everyone
1: there. Sadly, I agree. I do think she's a good choice of mate for Tom, whose place, of course, is betwixt and between and Son's place. Poor Brenton. But Julian Fellows rather did put his thumb on the scale there by making her be awkward at a dinner party. Is there a greater sin than that when causing people to feel just awkward.
0: How about subjugating an entire class of people? Is that a greater sin, June?
1: All those millions that died in the war? Mm, No, I think actually it's – she's wrong. She's worse. (laughs) She's worse than the Kaiser.
0: (laughs) Yeah, incredibly rude of her to put Branson in that awkward position. If her true goal is to nurture this ongoing friendship with Branson and perhaps – achieve something more with him, the last thing she wants to do is sort of press him to choose sides like that. That's not going to get her anywhere.
1: Talk about, you know, Thomas has too much game. Miss Bunting doesn't seem to have any game. Sometimes she shows good sense and good manners and she's very concerned about whether it's really okay for her to be at the house. But then other times it seems that she just doesn't even have any social sense and she's just kind of rude. And she doesn't really seem to have a goal. Like, is she trying to get Tom Branson or is she actually trying to push him away? It's just not clear.
0: What about our other sort of class-inflected romance here, which is Isabel... And Lord Merton and this sort of triangle with the doctor and with Lady Shackleton. Yes. And there's all sorts of class resentment brewing here. What do we think about how Mr. Fellows – I call him Mr. Fellows. How, what do we think about him <laughs> he putting He is actually his th- a
1: lord, but okay.
0: Well, maybe I should call him Lord Fellows. Then. <laughs> what do we think about Lord Fellows putting his thumb on the scale in that situation? How has he tilted the scales with regard to Isabel perhaps becoming the great lady of the county and the doctor sort of flashing his resentment of Lord Merton?
1: You know, I think the doctor does know his place. And I think he has accepted that Isabella is never going to be his. But the best part of it is, of course, Violet, the dowager countess, as it always is. I mean, it's really not fair to the rest of the show and the rest of the cast that there is the great Dame Maggie Smith just doing her thing. So it just seems clear that Violet is just playing around because Isabel isn't actually interested in getting married. And if Violet isn't careful, she's going to get Isabel much more interested. Well, this is the thing. I think
0: it's going to backfire. I think the Dowager Countess may... Have set a trap that's going to snare her.
1: Exactly, she's going
0: to snare herself. Exactly, as it were, because I think you're right. Isabel actually didn't have a huge interest in Lord Merton. You know, perhaps you know the occasional tea. Sure. I think Isabel is more interested in thwarting the Dowager Countess's schemes than she right. is in, in getting married. But she'll she'll get married if she has to do that. If right. she just needs to beat the Dowager Countess, they might be my favorite pairing of all the sort of like pairings. We which we had Jimmy and the predatory lady. Lady Anstruther. I call her Lady Duckface. <laughs>
1: that is the lovely Anna Chancellor who was in the hour she'll always be duck
0: face to me <laughs> or we have you know all these sort of oppositions but I think that the Isabel and the Dowager Countess is probably my favorite just watching the sparks fly between them yeah. is delightful
1: yeah and I, I certainly prefer that to Lady Mary and Lady Edith because that just feels unfair whereas yeah. Violet and Isabel actually they're on each other's level and they can actually you know get a good game of ping pong going
0: my second favorite battle is probably Mosley and his hair <laughs>
1: Latin blood, mostly.
0: (laughs) That was amazing. And it provided the stage for my favorite vintage burn, of this episode. My favorite vintage burn of this episode, as we know, Downton Abbey is famous for providing all sorts of vintage burns. And my favorite of this episode was when Carson says to Mr. Mosley, take steps, Mr. Mosley, take steps, <laughs> yes. which I'm absolutely going to incorporate into my own conversations from here out.
1: Absolutely. And I was very relieved, finally. I mean, it does annoy me sometimes with this show that they just, as we've talked about already, they heap, heap, heap And you just think, just give a person just a little bit of light, you know. And Moseley did, for once in his life, give good advice to Baxter. He's not his usual puffed up self. You remember when he played cricket and he just thought he was the new, you know, Don Bradman. And he was terrible. And so, like, when he puffs himself up, he's, you know, he's a tragic figure in a way, a, a joke figure. But he gave Baxter really good advice. And I think he does care for her. And I actually think they might actually... I mean, she doesn't seem that interested in him, I must admit. But. Yeah, well,
0: your, your cricket references are lost on me and the rest of America, Jim. Mm. But I will say that Mosley served as a moral anchor in this episode. I mean, he was the one guy, he's giving her tremendous advice and Absolutely. he's telling her the right thing to do. And it seems to come from a place within him that who knew Mosley had such depths despite yeah. his somewhat vain exterior. Uh, and his, lack of,
1: his severe lack of game.
0: Yes, yes, zero game. You know, I loved, I think probably a lot of our listeners have seen this Downton Abbey parody mm. involving George Clooney. And if mm. you haven't, you should race to the internets and watch it immediately. But I loved Mosley's tattooed, <laughs> his tattoo sleeves. <laughs> right, 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 and right, it said, right. I love Baxter on them. Right. It was fantastic.
1: Yes. Take a moment to talk about that because it was an official, you know, creation uh, from the Downton creative team. It had almost all of the actors it had Julian Fellows. And I was really shocked by how self-aware they were. Like, they know all the things that they do. They know that they repeat things. They know that their show is entirely predictable. They know that they get worked up about silly little things and ignore huge continuity (laughs) problems and just believability issues. And I just kind of loved seeing that, like... They know their faults, but they also know that they're incredibly populist. So who cares? So carry on.
0: I think watching that actually helped me get in the proper spirit to begin season five. It bought a lot of sympathy from me. It bought a lot of goodwill from me to yes. watch that and go into the season.
1: Well, so one person who was in those clips but didn't have a huge role was Lady Mary. And I don't know, like, I kind of was more into her like animal husbandry concerns this week, this episode, because... I like Tony Gillingham. He's a very attractive guy. And he seems like a nice guy. And he seems to understand what Mary needs, if you know what I mean. But that part of the show felt among the least interesting. I was actually far more interested in, I don't even know, like, Jimmy's, you know, serving <laughs> status or whatever, or Mosley's hair than than Mary's suitors. And that Felt a bit weird. It was
0: a bit of a rote romance, isn't it? It seems like, yeah. well, we've decided this is a good match and now we're just going to move slowly forward and plod yeah. along. He barges into her room, but not to, you know, passionately kiss her. Oh, shocking. He barges into room to passionately suggest that they then later at some date take a week <laughs> to, to to be passionate. Yes. There's there's very little sort of animal spirit involved yes. in, in the way that Gillingham is wooing Mary and you know, I also thought it was interesting when Mary was talking about the possibility of premarital sex with her ladies' maids. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the fact that some ladies nowadays maybe are willing to have premarital sex to see if, quote, that side of things mm-hmm. is all in order before they get married and make a match with someone. But this is – let us remember, this is not Mary's first rodeo. This right. is at least Mary's third rodeo if we count Matthew and, uh, and the unlucky Mr. Pamuk. Right. This So, you know, I feel like – What's, what's, why is Mary being so prim about this? What's to be concerned? She's already, hasn't she already? Maybe I'm misremembering. Did, was her name never plastered across the tabloids uh, regarding the Mr. Pomuk situation? Did they, did the family successfully suppress it? I'm now, I'm, I'm forgetting. I
1: I can't remember, but certainly. It there was I mean, scandal was afoot. Lady Edith did send that train in motion. Everyone close
0: to Lady Mary already knows yes. that she is in the parlance of the times damaged goods. I'm not judging her, June. No, I, I know. Like I but, know you're not. But so what does she have to lose by going off for a week? I mean, what does she care?
1: It seems like she's not that into not only not that into Tony G, because she does seem to like him well enough. And, you know, he looks good in tweeds and all of that stuff, but She really does seem more interested in crop rotation.
0: Yeah, I kind of am too. I kind of (laughs) am too. I'd like to focus on the crop rotation part of the story next week.
1: Yeah. Just so listeners know, I know that many people in the world have already watched Downton. I know that some people actually watch it as it airs in Britain. Shocking. And so we, though, are clean and pure and we have not seen any episodes beyond the ones that we're talking about. But I have to say that as well as crop rotation, I am fascinated by young Daisy. She is doing the thing that in season one, Gwen, the young woman who became a typist, you know, she's improving herself. And I mean, it's kind of clear that she is dyslexic or has some learning disability that that Miss Bunting is going to help her with. But it feels a little different that Daisy is not being made fun of. Like, she isn't a tragic figure right now. She actually is this aspirational, doing it for herself. We're actually supposed to feel quite proud of her.
0: I think the servant class, I think they sort of see the writing on the wall. There was this discussion about how Mm -hmm. servants at another house were down to like, you know, one part-time cleaning woman. People are leaving for factories and and for shops because they like the hours better. And so I think. They're not dumb, and they're seeing this. And so the idea that Daisy would want to prepare another path just in case, or she even has this path laid out for her, but she's getting ready to go embrace it. Mr. Carson aside, who is such a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. But other than him, I, you know, I think good for her. Also, I was glad that this storyline brought up my second favorite vintage burn of the week, which was burn that Daisy, Daisy burned herself, which was she said that she had the brain of a kipper which I'm also going to incorporate into my conversations uh, now.
1: You know, all, all that makes me want to do is eat kippers. I love kippers so much.
0: Okay, well, let's go eat some kippers. Okay. And we'll be back next week with more Downton. Awesome.